Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you this evening, and thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Patchwork Heart Radio. I thank you for listening to Sewing Hope, uh, wherever you're listening to us. And we, uh, are, I should say, I'm always joined by my good friend, uh, Andy Santis. And how are you today? Oh, doing great, Bill. It's good to be here. Happy August. <laughs> yes, happy August. Yeah, I can't believe we're in August of 2021 already. It's unbelievable. Uh, but I know we have a great guest uh, with us today, so why don't uh, you introduce us to him? Yes, I'm very pleased to uh, bring to you a, a very good friend of mine and the and the foundation that I represent, uh, we have Mark Rudak, and I'm going to read you his bio because it's really an amazing bio. will give you an idea of who he is. He is an ICF credentialed coach on a mission to employees to earn their dream promotions by growing their leadership skills. He was born in communist Poland and lost his dad at a young age. When his mom remarried at age 14, Marek moved to the United States. Feeling like he was the fifth wheel in his new family, led him toward a desire to control. He focused on earning his worth through accomplishments. Marek graduated in the top 10% of his class at West Point and became a ranger in the 82nd Airborne Division where he deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. Upon separating from the army, Marek went with the highest paying job he could find, ExxonMobil, where he worked on multi-billion dollar projects all over the world for 10 years. A tough divorce led Mark to a lot of soul searching and multiple life changes. After meeting the love of his life, Mark decided to quit his job and commit himself to coaching full time. Currently, Mark provides on-demand executive coaching as a benefit to C-suite leaders and their teams nationally and internationally for companies like Zillow Group, Autodesk, Pinterest, NASDAQ, The New York Times, and TechNip FMC. If you have questions about your situation, you can schedule a complimentary call with him by clicking, well, I'm reading his bio, uh, but there's a calendar, he has a Calendly link, um, but you can go to his website and, and see that link there if you'd like to schedule that complimentary call at markrudak.com. Welcome, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us on Sewing Hope. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for this beautiful introduction and pleasure to meet you, Bill. I, I know we kind of talked a little bit back and forth on Facebook. So it's actually very nice to, to be able to put the, the face to a name. So I'm, I'm really um, glad and looking forward to having a, a very nice conversation with you guys. Yeah, looking forward to it as well. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we start out with that bio? Because mm -hmm. I mean, you and I have talked a lot of different times before because we met through smart Catholics and Dominic was a guest here, right. the founder and and has Dominic's connected so many people. I oh, mean, yeah, I have to give him a lot of credit, Dominic D'Souza. But I mean, basically, you have done some work with me mm -hmm. uh, through the foundation I represent. And in fact, you and I just finished up the three-part series in July called Getting Back to Mass After COVID. And that was an amazing virtual event. And I just want to encourage people that if you didn't get to see that, to go oh, to, yeah. to, to nonatis.org 
and to our podcasts and videos page where you'll be able to actually see those videos that we did, which was amazing to talk about this past year and what everybody's been through. So right. thanks so much for all you do. But let's My get pleasure. back to, to you and, mm -hmm. and and what you do and tell us more about those those life beginnings because like you said, you sure. grew up in communist Poland. Here you are in the United States and flourishing. Tell us what was it like in your early life? Yeah, so my early life, in a way, I was very blessed because I was, uh, I grew up in, in a Catholic family. I went to church regularly. Ever since I remember, I've attended some form of religion classes. So I definitely had the, the right intellectual formation. But the, the challenge for me was, especially looking back, is that I, um, I never really had a, a, an emotional connection with my faith. So in other words, I could tell you, you know, the Stations of the Cross, the Ten Commandments, or whatever I needed to, to get an A on the test. But I just didn't really see how that fit in my life. You know, for example, we went to church regularly, but like we never talked about the homily or the readings. Like the only time I remember us talking about anything that happened at church is, is you know, being uh, my my family member criticizing what somebody wore or said at church. You know, it was never really like about the message and then connecting into our life. It's just something that we did. You know, similarly with, with, with First Communion, like to me, First Communion was like Christmas, you know, especially back in communist Poland. We uh, we didn't have a lot a lot of things and to to me, first communion was like the, the the biggest gift that I got to date, which was which was a bike and so to me that was really my first uh, encounter with with communion was that you know it was about getting things it wasn't really so much about what it means to me spiritually and and, and my work with Christ, and then another thing that really um, hurt me growing up is I had a very abusive grandfather and he was just so critical very very um, he he's the kind of person that can could choose the wars that like really cut you deep inside that really undermined your confidence and so what i grew up with was this sense of i'm not good enough i'm not smart enough i'm not whatever enough and so ever since that experience in my childhood home i was all about how can i prove to the world that what my grandfather planted in me was, was wrong and so one of the things that happened was i um when i was 10 my dad passed away and late, later, uh, when I was 14, uh, my mom remarried, moved to the United States. I, I moved to the United States. I was able to get into a very good high school, a Catholic high school, when, again, I got a lot of faith formation. But, but to me, that was my opportunity to prove my worth. Um, at the time, my, my mom started having kids with my stepdad. And to me, that even felt, made me feel even more like a, a fifth wheel in my family, like I don't really belong here. And so it's, it's up to me to, to make the most of that opportunity. And so while looking back, I would have still went back to West Point. If I had to do my life all over again, I would still would have went to West Point. But to be totally honest, at the time, I thought it's like, wow, what an amazing opportunity. Like I look at all these guys in uniforms, you know, you see, you know, heroes in, in the movies um, with the military experience. I was like, man, if, if I can go to West Point, you know, wear that uniform, have those badges, then I finally feel like I'm like I'm worth it. Uh, like uh, all these things that my grandfather said were wrong. Um, but the thing about achievements is that, you know, it's never enough. It's never enough. So yeah. every time I achieved uh, something, you know, for example, getting to West Point, it was enough. Then it was become school. Then I had to be top 10% of my class, which is a great achievement. But then it was like, man, I, why couldn't I be 5% of my class? You know, it just kind of on and on it goes. You get a little bit of a temper mm -hmm. high, but it's not sustainable. And so that's, that, that was kind of the, the background of my formation. Intellectually, I knew a lot. Uh, and obviously, I was, you know, pretty good at school. I was pretty good at figuring things out. But to me, faith was something that nice people do. And if I have some time after I retire, maybe, 
or or um, maybe further in my life, I look more into this faith life. But right now, I had a lot more things, a lot more important things to do, which was racking up accomplishments and, and getting to uh, as high status as I possibly can. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 lo- I always love to hear your story, even though I've heard it several times, <laughs> <laughs> just from smart Catholics and from the work that we've done before. And um, and e- even though you wrote the book called The Love Driven Man, and obviously it's a book that's kind of geared for men, right? But right. I have an Audible subscription and, and mm-hmm. I love Audible and I, I listen to the entire book in its entirety. And even though, you know, obviously, as I said in the other podcast I did with you, I'm not a, I'm not a male, but <laughs> I got a lot from the love driven man. I really awesome. did. Not only to help myself, but also to understanding men and even my own husband. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's a great book that you can get on Amazon or Kindle or even Audible. And and it was enjoyable to listen to it, too. So it's I, I just want to commend you on that and invite people to get the book. Oh, well, thank, thank you book. so much. And I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Now, um, part of your bio is that you worked for ExxonMobil, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. not just for a little while. I mean, you were there for 10 years. And yeah. now was that when you were still not really completely committed to your faith? Was that before? So explain that. Yeah. So uh, long story short, what happened is after I left the service, um, I started working for ExxonMobil. Um, and at first I thought, you know, I, I finally got to where I wanted to get to. I had uh, a wife. I had a house. I had a high paying job. I thought I had it all. And so, in, in fact, what I was uh, in my first couple of years at Exxon, what I did is I did this rotational assignment to Nigeria where I uh, spent four years, I mean, four years, four weeks in Nigeria and had four weeks off at, at, in Houston. And so I just wrapped it up. Uh, I just hit my 30th birthday and I thought, well, you know, what's, what's the next, what's the next achievement? What's the kind of the next check the box? It was to start having kids. And I was like, okay, it's time to start having kids because I finally achieved enough to, to feel like I'm i I'm a worthy dad that I can, you know, teach something to, to, to my child. And uh, what happened was, unfortunately, is I, I found out that my ex-wife was cheating on me. And that was so painful. So, I mean, that was like the, the biggest pain experience in my life. You know, I, I've been in Iraq, I've been in Afghanistan, and that pales in comparison to that to that betrayal. Um, it, it was, I, I knew what my, our marriage wasn't perfect, but it was the last thing that I expected. And it was, it was the darkest time. Uh, I came very close to committing suicide. There were literally weeks, I'm, I'm serious, weeks where I couldn't sleep. Um, it was just a very super stressful time and as painful as it was, unfortunately, it was exactly what I needed to wake me up because now all of a sudden um, my, my house of cards collapsed and as painful as it was, I finally had an opportunity to build a new house on, on true foundations on real foundations. And, you know, it wasn't overnight. I'm not one of those guys who had that kind of, uh, road, uh, road to, uh, road to Damascus moment where mm-hmm. I just had this instant conversion. It was very slow, uh, but. It was very methodical. And so what happened is, is in my, during my time at ExxonMobil, uh, slowly but surely, as I, as I got closer to God, you know, I really love this analogy from uh, Socrates from, uh, from the Republic, the, the allegory of the cave is that once you, once you see the light, it's very hard to look at the shadows again. And so while I enjoy my job at Exxon, um, and obviously there are folks who work for, work for corporations and, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that per se, but I just knew that, you know, now that I've had this experience, I had a great opportunity to to do something different, to uh, to to really uh, rebuild my life based on what I believe, my dad, the, the dreams that God placed in, in my heart. And so, the the 
the time at ExxonMobil was really a time of transformation. So I, I spent 10 years there. So I had that realization probably like second or third year in, into ExxonMobil, but that was, that was a scary realization. I don't really know what to do with it. I mean, it, it's like my whole life, I thought my thing was working in big organizations and having a stable paycheck, having a, a you know a, some kind of a regular job. And all of a sudden, like, I felt like this was not it. And I didn't really know what to do with that feeling or emotion. And so that's why it helped me. It took me a good few years to grow closer to God and be able to discern what exactly is the next step that God wants, God wants me to do. Yeah, you know, um, I, let me tell you, I think there's a lot of guys out there listening to you talk uh, right now and um, and thinking, man, you know, uh, I, I have such a similar story you know, uh, because, uh, you know, guys are are driven um, by, you know, uh, you know, success. And and that's something that they just have inherently as part of their in, in, as part of their being. Like, you know, they they want to succeed in life. Uh, I remember hearing a talk uh, by Nick Frank uh, at Steubenville several years ago. And he said, you know, the one thing that men want to know from their dads is are they going to make it? Are they going to make it in the world? Are they going to be able to succeed? Um, but and, and of course they want to hear the answer yes, like they want to hear that yes. But uh, could be you know, and 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 they're driven by this uh, need for success. But the reality is, is that um, it's not the worldly success that's going to make you happy. And, you know, I mean, and that was, you know, so evident in your story, so evident in your life. Uh, so, you know, you have this, you have this moment, you have this, you know, ugly di- divorce and, and all of this stuff. And it kind of turns your perspective around. Um, you know, I, I wonder if you, if you have some thoughts and, and I would love mm-hmm. to, you know, of course, talk, talk more about, you know, how to, how to get guys to really, um, you know, live their faith. But I wonder if you have some thoughts for guys right now who are listening to this that 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 could be in that transitional period, like in, in their life. You know, something has just blown up their universe. You know, because you said you know, yeah, it, yeah. you know, you know, you're not one of those guys that had the road to Damascus moment. So, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like you know, if, if you're caught in this, like you know, mm-hmm. and your life is blowing up around you, and you're realizing, hey, you know what, I need more than just you know, uh, this worldly success, uh, what are some of the steps that you took during that time, uh, of transition sure. that, that really helped you refocus? Yeah. So yeah, I, I kind of, uh, was building the airplane while I was, I was flying it. I was kind of <laughs> winging it and definitely there was uh, grace involved because, uh, I'm, I'm serious. There were really a lot of times where, um, I, I contemplate suicide and that's why I have a lot of empathy for, for people who who, uh, who are in that spot, uh, especially you know members of the military, uh, you know I if, even though I don't have the PTSD, I definitely had an insight of like how how hopeless we can we can feel. Um, you know, there's a saying that uh, suicide is is an act is a call for help, and um, and I've definitely been in that in that space where it feels like it's it's only gonna get worse. There was just nothing nothing to look forward to, and so. A couple, couple of things that really helped me uh, lo- looking back, you know, first of all, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity to, to get closer to God. Um, 
and 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 I think that what what sometimes happens is where where things go sideways is that uh, we expect answers right away, and when those answers don't come, we feel like you know God doesn't work or God doesn't listen to me or God doesn't love me, and so I I just need to keep myself protected and stick to what I know because even though it's not working. At least, at least I I know I know the results that I'm gonna get. I'm gonna be happy with the results, but at least, but at least I know what I'm gonna get. And so the, the thing to remember is is to is to uh, take take time, create space, because as painful as those experiences were, it's exactly what I needed for for me to really understand what uh, what the scripture is about. Because I remember being all these religion classes, reading all these stories about uh, these saints or, or biblical characters. And, you know, talking about suffering, like, for example, like, you know, the sister Faustina's diary, like the, the main theme is suffering, suffering, you know, re- reflecting on Jesus' passion. And, you know, when when things are kind of going hunky-dory, it's really meaningless. But when you're in that space of, of suffering, all of a sudden, all these things that I heard uh, started started making sense to me that they they. I was able to to connect to to uh, to these characters to 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 their suffering in that context of suffering. I, I found God, and so what, what I would recommend uh, for for men who are struggling and especially in suffering, make that space for Jesus. Um, I know that sometimes, especially if we're coming back to faith, we might not know the prayers. We don't have the routines. Like one fantastic thing that I really recommend for anybody is adoration. Adoration was pivotal in in my uh, I guess reconversion story because. It's you know it's one of the things for for a priest to say this is my body and the church to 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 say it's this is my body but it's it's a totally different thing to actually experience it and and it's one of those things that uh, I can't really put into the words the experiences I had in adoration and oh by the way it don't happen every single time either but it's you know like one great analogy that I heard is it's like getting a ten you know like getting a ten at the beach you don't know what's going to happen but you know but just just being in, in in the presence of sons you're going to get a time and same thing with adoration like i i can't tell you exactly how it's going to feel for you but i know you're going to get something out of it you know yeah. uh and so i really encourage it so so spending time with god and if you don't know where to start start with adoration another thing i, I really recommend is journaling i mean it's, it's a fantastic fantastic tool because what happens is when we're struggling especially with emotions we don't know how to process and we don't have the language we tend to stuff these emotions down and these these emotions until we deal with them they're going to own us and so i know that sometimes maybe going to therapy or to a coach might be a, a step too too soon or or people are not comfortable but the beautiful thing about journaling is nobody has to read it but what you find is like the more you write it out the more comfortable you'll be able at describing what what's going on how you feel and you have you'll be in a much better position to deal with it so that's that's like another wonderful thing that, that I experienced. And then the, the, the third thing is, is community, seek out community. Uh, I know that sometimes it's not very easy to find uh, a good good people to hang out with, but they're out there. It, it takes effort. You know, uh, at the church, there's Knights of Columbus, you know, for example, there's That Manage You program. There's a lot of different uh, ways to meet wonderful people. And, and I know that it might not uh, happen right away. It might take some effort, but being in the right community is like having workout buddies. Obviously, mm-hmm. all, all of us worked out or in some shape or form, and you know, it's you get an okay workout when you work out by yourself. But you know, how much of a better workout you get when you when you when you your body with within the group? I think that's why CrossFit is so popular, and so that's why it's very helpful to to find that community, mm-hmm. um, find mm-hmm. out somebody that you feel comfortable talking to, uh, because that will help you um, realize that 
you're, you're not alone that that person you're talking to they're probably going through something as well and when you hear those stories when you're comfortable sharing your stories uh you will develop that camaraderie that that's going to help you make it through those difficulties it's kind of like you know kind of like that concept that we hear in the movies band of brothers mm-hmm. you know that that's that concept applies in our everyday life if we find the right people the the, the right team to uh to associate with yeah i totally agree bill that was also a great question i have to say <laughs> um that you had for mark <laughs> uh and um and it's because I was going to lead into that as far as the next part of your bio, where you say a tough divorce mm-hmm. led you to a lot of soul searching and multiple life changes. And after meeting the love of your life, you decided to quit your job and commit mm-hmm. yourself to coaching full time. So uh, leading into like what, the advice that you just gave, can you tell mm-hmm. us more about how, you know, your, your wife, came, your current, you know, the, your, your wife now mm-hmm. came into your life and, Things have been kind of on an upswing, I think. I mean, life is never perfect, right? But yeah, yeah. definitely since you met her, I think that uh, yeah, your life has definitely gone into a very good direction. Tell yeah, us yeah. more. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the kind of the ironic thing is, is that after my divorce happened, I said, this is it. No more women. I'm done. It's not worth it. You know, I, I thought that there's no way I'm going to be able to trust a woman again. Uh, and in fact, what I did is I requested an assignment to uh, work in Angola because I just felt so ashamed. I just wanted to disappear from the face of the earth. Um, and so over there in Angola, I worked a lot on on the uh, construction vessels. And so to me, I just wanted to hide. And, and I thought that um, I'm just going to do these types of jobs for the rest of my life because I feel like I'll never be able to uh, find a, a, find a woman that loves me and B, it's like, I, I just don't think it's worth it. But guess what happened? As soon as the ra- assignment wrapped up, it was about like a, a year and a half. I came back to the United States and what I do? I didn't just sign up for Match. I signed up for eHarmony, Christian Mingle, all, all these different dating websites. And and you know, and I, I guess my thinking at the time was like, hey, as an engineer, the best thing for me to do is just throw as many things on the wall and see what sticks. And and that's what was my approach. But the, the but the problem with that approach is that, and I didn't really as a time is that I had wounds that need to be healed. And it's and obviously, you know, I I definitely don't. Um, you know, like when it comes to infidelity, like I definitely don't uh, believe that it's my fault that my ex-wife cheated. But the fact of the matter is it's easy for me to just blame everything on, on my ex-wife. I wasn't a perfect husband either. There, there's a lot of things that I could have done differently. And, and all these things I quite frankly should have dealt with before even considering getting married. And, and so what happened is when I had these dating experiences, it was kind of like these deja vu moments. Like it was like a different woman, but similar experiences. And and, and it was just hurtful in a sense that, you know, obviously I had a good time, you know, at the time I was a different person. So I had a lot of casual sex and, and those things feel good for a, for a period of time. But after a while, it's like, what's going on? What's going on? And so as, as I was getting closer to God, I realized that I need to, to do things or to do things within myself to be able to get ready for, for a holy relationship. And so, you know, obviously a lot of it was, was prayer. Some of it was also working on myself. For example, uh, through therapy, I found, that, found out that I was codependent. And so my um, my um, weakness was narcissists, narcissistic women. I, I was just attracted to narcissistic women and that just created a whole another toxic dynamic. But then another thing was, is, is me uh, taking the church's teaching on, on sexuality um, I, seriously, because, you know, things like pornography, things like masturbation, things like sex before marriage, like, yeah, I, I understand that's that's a nice thing to do, but who actually does that, you know? And and because, you know, I was always surrounded by 
from the time I was at West Point with men who watched pornography. I, I can't think of at the time one person who waited to have sex to marriage. I, I thought, you know, this was like, you know, nice talking point, but nobody actually does it. But the, the closer I got to God, I, I just re, I just had that desire for holiness. And again, it wasn't a, a road to Damascus moment when I, you know, and one day I stopped, you know, but in that process, I in talking about a few years, but I quit pornography, praise the Lord. Uh, then I quit masturbation, praise the Lord. And then when I met Jesse, um, that was my first dating relationship or actually uh, practice theology of the body because what happened, you know, initially I didn't care about it at all. Then later on, as I became, you know, closer, closer to God, you know, that was my intention, but, you know, oops, things happened. And, you know, and that was okay because, you know, it happened. But with my wife, Jesse, we, we were very intentional about following through theology of the body from the time we dated and obviously even into our marriage. And so, and so like, that's why to me, when it comes to the, the, the church's teachings on things like theology of the body, you know, to me, this is not some, you know, nice sounding theory. This is something that I experienced in my life because of my first marriage, I did it my way and it was a disaster. And, and quite frankly, I should have not gotten married because if, if I, if I work on myself back then, I, I would have uh, had different types of relationships. And, and so, and because I did work on myself, because I did finally get myself to the, the point in my late thirties where I actually follow the church's teachings, I, I can see the difference. And obviously things are not hunky-dory. We still have our challenges, but I can honestly say that my wife is is my strength. You know, uh, you know, we, we still struggle with things like infertility and, and things like that, but it's things that are outside of our control. When it comes to mm. um, having my spouse as somebody who supports me, because I, I'll tell you, uh, you know, probably one of the most difficult things that I've done, and that includes West Point, war, is actually starting my own business. I tell you that brought up so many fears, so many insecurities, and it's so difficult. And that quite frankly, if I had not been married to Jesse, I would have been right back into corporate America, which is not to say that there's anything wrong with corporate America, but I just wouldn't have the strength and the courage to persist in the dream that got placed in my heart. Yeah, that, it's just beautiful. I love to hear your journey because you're very honest. You know, your, your bio and your story, you, you don't hold anything back. and. I think people need to hear that. I think they need to hear how you've been at very low points in your life and even your openness in talking about, you know, your human sexuality and your experience as a man and being divorced and going through everything that you went through. Mm -hmm. So um, if we could also uh, talk a little bit about, you mentioned pornography. I mean, mm -hmm. Bill and I have had guests on this podcast that have also talked about that topic and for men, mm -hmm. It is something that needs to be opened up and looked at and find ways to get help. Uh, would you have any words of advice for people who are listening that might still be in that mm -hmm. involved in it? And, mm -hmm. and maybe you can help them too through the coaching that you do. Yeah, sure. So actually, um, I, I, I recorded a video for Heroic Men. Maybe you can put it in, in the links. It, it's a free video. You just have to give them an email address. So, you know, you get put on the mailing list, but it, it kind of talks about my my pornography journey. But yeah, you know, when it came to porn, I mean, you know, I remember like I was, uh, I did life teen for a couple of years when I used to live in Woodlands when I was still single. And I remember the statistic how on average kids get exposed to porn at age eight, age eight. And I thought to myself, no way, that's, that's way too young. But as I think about myself, you know, that that's, that's about the age that I saw my first pornographic magazine. And oh, by the way, that was in communist Poland with no internet, you know, it was just magazines. And I still started coming to Poland. So nowadays it's it's so much harder with telephones, with I mean with uh, smartphones and, and computers and instant access to internet. 
And so this is something that, you know, has been with me really since, you know, since I was eight years old and it just kind of progressed, progressed. And, um, and to the point that I, um, I just did it. I mean, e even, even when I realized that it wasn't a good thing, I just, I just couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. And so the, the thing that I, I, uh, I want to encourage people who want to stop pornography, this, this is not something, I mean, yes, there are people who quit overnight, but that that's an exception. Typically the, the people who quit are the ones that take their time and take it one day at a time and do not get overwhelmed with the relapses. You know, for me, like, you know, to this day, I can't tell you the last time I watched porn because quite frankly, I thought I was going to relapse. But basically what happened is, is I just made an intention, made, made an intention to, to create more and more space between when I get the urge to watch porn and when I actually watch pornography. So at first it was a minute, then it was a couple of minutes. And, and so I, I kind of build out that, that, that resistance muscle to pornography. And so, you know, again, I, I don't remember the exact time I watched porn for the last time. Um, my best guess was is that from the time I became intentional about quitting porn to actually when I did it was about three years. So it's, it's a long time, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And the, the ironic thing is now I, I literally have zero desire to watch porn. Like it's like not even a thing. You know, it's like I, I'm actually disgusted by porn. If, if somebody, if for example, God said, okay, it's okay to watch porn, I wouldn't want to watch it. It just, you know, it's it, it just really scary how something that I thought I couldn't live without, now it's like even like I, I have zero temptation to, to watch it. It's disgusting, you know, but I, but for vast majority of my life, I, I couldn't live without it. And and so, you know, check out that video. Maybe men and can, you know, I'll put it in the description. There, there's more. There's there's more more specific tips in there, but the main one is is that it's not gonna take happen overnight. It's gonna take time, but trust me, when you get there, it's gonna be so worth it. Mm, that's awesome. I'm glad. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm so glad you're open uh, and you know sharing and talking about uh, that area of your life. And I'm also glad that you know you've just given people a lot of hope that's out there that may be struggling with this because you know uh, as you mentioned, you know people that quit this do it um you know yeah there's certainly a few people that can go it overnight uh but that's the exception to the rule and so i think that um mm -hmm. you know it's also the desire to to want to quit and, and 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 i think that you know as you said you kind of build up the muscle i think that goes with anything uh that you want to change you know it's mm -hmm. it it takes time and and in this world of instant gratification especially now as you kind of alluded mm -hmm. to you have smartphones you have instant access to internet you know uh you can just plug in and say oh what well, well, you know oh, i've got this information i've got this information oh are you you know i mean i'm good you know uh i i can watch this i can see this i can get it on demand at any moment in my life and um what what, what we've lost is the art of doing just exactly what you're saying you're doing you know like okay be between the time that i have the urge and the time mm -hmm. that I actually go do it, try to expand that, expand that time for 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 the bad habits, you know, and the, you know that we have, and the and the sinful inclinations that we have. If we can just put that time in between that, um, that is that is huge. That is absolutely mm -hmm. huge. Um, and, and 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 quite honestly, I haven't heard that uh, approach in in. Um, 
ever. So, so I, so I encourage a lot of guys to, you know, you know, learn more about you and learn more about, you know, your coaching and things like that, because, uh, I think that, you know, people can learn a lot and grow a lot, uh, spiritually and personally, like, you know, that's the other thing maybe you can touch on is, you know, Mm -hmm. yes, it was the, there was a lot of, uh, personal growth, but there had to be spiritual growth that took place over that period of time. And, Mm -hmm was the was was the shame gone like you know if you if you did relapse if you did you know have a setback was was the shame gone because of of falling in sin because you were um you know your intention was now changed to you know what this is disgusting i don't want this as part of my life like i'm going to move on from this it, it, you know it, it was that did, did that happen for you did the shame fall away um, you know, the, the negative shame, the bad shame, not the shame that drives us in the confession, but the, but the negative, horrible self shame that we get, uh, from committing yeah, sin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, um, maybe like another way to answer your question, it's like, like, as I kind of like peel back the onion, like, 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 why, yeah. why am I watching porn? Why am I watching porn? Like really what I realized is that I didn't watch porn for porn's sake. It was because I had this deep innate desire for intimacy and I just didn't have the skills to be able to fulfill that desire in a healthy way. And so it got corrupted through porn. And so to me, porn, like, wasn't so much about porn per se, but it's like, what well, it was, it was a form of uh, self-numbing mechanism. And it, to me, it felt at the time, like, that was the only way I could uh, get intimacy. Because, you know, like, I, at the time I was doing some some dating. And obviously, I mean, I watched porn all the way through my first marriage. And and uh, and I just didn't know. I didn't have the skills to have like a, a, an in, intimate conversation with you know whether it was a woman or, or a man or or, or anybody. Uh, I just I just didn't know how to do it. And so to me, porn was like my escape. Because on the screen, obviously, like when when we're having sex, that's like the most intimate you can be with uh, with with another person. And so to me, that that felt like uh, that was like a cheap way to to get that high but the problem with that high is that it's not sustainable you keep coming back and coming back and so you know that that and that's like really another important thing in in quitting porn it's you know like for example what i mentioned with the space you know it's kind of like in sports and even war there's like offense and defense so like the defense is to increase the the space between the urges but that can only get you so far that the real way to help you uh another important piece to help you uh quit porn is learn how to build healthy, intimate relationships, whether that's with with uh, with your partner or or with other people. Because what happens is that the more intimate conversations you have, the more vulnerable conversations you have, the more real conversations you have. All of a sudden, that that fakeness in mm. pornography is going to start losing its appeal. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. And um, and I, I like the directions of these conversations because it's helping people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's part of why we call this podcast Sowing Hope. It's mm-hmm. all about sowing hope into broken hearts, patchwork hearts, ministry. And uh, and that's actually how Bill and I came together uh, with this podcast was the idea of wanting to sow that hope. So um, uh, so on the topic of the spirituality, first, I mm-hmm. had a question. If, if you had anything else that you wanted to share, because mm-hmm. we'd love to also hear about what you're doing with this executive coaching, because sure. What it says here on your bio is that you provide on-demand executive coaching Mm -hmm. as a benefit to C-suite leaders and their teams Mm -hmm. nationally and internationally. Mm -hmm. And so uh, tell us first, you know, 
finish up if you could anything else that you want to share on the spiritual part of what you do mm-hmm. and then please do get into this idea of this executive coaching and how you've helped others yeah sure so maybe i can marry the two together uh because really w- what i teach in my executive coaching is servant leadership <laughs> but but the problem with servant leadership is that when you say servant leadership you're like, oh no 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 that's not for me <laughs> you know whether, whether that's executives because they're like hey you know i didn't pay my dues to be a servant <laughs> or, or even Catholics, you know, I, I, I remember I did this one interview for a Catholic gentleman, you know, fantastic, fantastic organization. And then like one of, one of the people made a comment. So like, yeah, you know, servant leadership, that's, that's a nice thing. But as a man, I can't afford to do that because I, 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 I am called to be the head of the household. And so the, the irony is that people assume that if you practice servant leadership, then basically you, you lead from behind or you, you're not being a le- real leader. So, you know, that's, that's like one thing that really, as, as I reflect on, on the leaders who had the biggest impact on me, there were several leaders. They, they took the time, they were patient. They didn't get, um, they didn't, like if, if I messed up, they didn't write me off based on my first or second mistake. They, they really realized my potential and really helped me grow. And, and so, you know, and as I look, that, that, that's what I want to do. And, and but let, let's be honest, even though I, I've come a long way, I, I teach it, I'm definitely not perfect. And so like kind of going back to the theme of spirituality, like one thing that is really super helpful for me and, and I pray it every single morning is the uh, litany of humility. Uh, because as I look at myself and my shortcomings, that, that is the, the biggest area where I can still improve is, is, is humility. And so I pray every single morning and and i'm seeing i'm seeing improvements obviously i still have a, a long way to go but you know that's why that's why i'm still uh, here on earth if obviously there was not much for me to learn god god would have already taken me and so and so like uh, what i do in, in my coaching sessions is help people become better servants but not call it servant leadership but by giving them the skills to to better understand how they can um be better leaders in a particular situation so for example like one common situation is is uh, giving feedback, giving feedback. A, a lot of times leaders are not comfortable with that because they're, you know, let, let's be honest, who, who likes conflict? So if you go into the session or, or a, a performance review or you have to give somebody feedback with that mindset that, hey, uh, I'm going to tell somebody what they're doing wrong or I'm going to uh, focus on, on, their, on their weaknesses, you know, n- nobody feels good about that. You know, you're, you're on the receiving end, you know, nobody wants to be told that they're not good at something. And obviously, as a leader, you you know, unless you know you got some other deficiencies, you you know you you're not gonna feel very comfortable about telling people what, what they're doing wrong. And so, like what I teach people to do is is look look at it as an opportunity to to serve the person, to give them the information they need to become a a, be, a better leader. To to look at it from perspective is like, hey, this is what happened. I think we lost his internet. Are you still there, Ann? Yes. All right. I think he froze. <laughs> we might have lost Merrick's internet there. Uh, we're hoping he comes back <laughs> online here. Uh, I don't know uh, what just happened, but we'll, we've had a few of these. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But he's an amazing uh, speaker and doing great work as an executive coach. So for people listening, maybe we have a break right now for a little bit, but you can go to his website and learn more at marekrudak.com. And what he does is he offers a free complimentary consult. So you can find out more about what he does and then actually you know, attempt to make that appointment with him 
And as you can see, he's got a very good personal style, a good listener. And, you know, whether you're somebody who is looking for a job or if you're working for a company, he'll be able to offer you some great suggestions. I believe he's coming back on. So just give it another minute or two here. And again, do check out his website and connect with him also on social media. So uh, hello again. We were just giving you a little commercial sure. there here on the <laughs> show and, and telling people to connect with you on social media and asking them to check out your website. So, um, hey, tell us what's going on for you in 2021. Now, I want to backtrack a little bit. I mentioned that you and I did the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the virtual series called Getting Back to Mass After COVID. And you can certainly go to the nonatis.org website and watch those videos and connect with all three of the speakers, which were Robert LeBanc of Catholic Moment, Marac Rudak, and then of course myself with the St. Raymond Anadis Foundation. But then back in June, you and I also did a workshop together um, on how to lead at work as a Catholic. And people can also watch that at our own YouTube channel. So tell us more about what's going on with you over these next coming months. And, and what when they meet with you for a consult, maybe mm -hmm. you can share with us exactly what happens during that consultation session. Oh, yeah. So uh, apologies. And I think, you know, I'm actually. I think his Internet is uh, <laughs> just on out, folks. Um, but I know he's having some work done, I think, um, around the house, too. So that may be, uh, you know, some of the issues, folks. But. Um, uh, you know, uh, we're we're definitely excited about uh, all that he shared with us today. And if he does happen to pop back on, that would be wonderful. But, um, you know, I I certainly there he there is he again. Is. All right. Yeah. Apologies. What what happened is for some reason my internet's going on. I'm actually going off my iPhone. So so let's hopefully that will give us another ten minutes uh, to to wrap it up. So I, I really apologize. This is something that happens very rarely um so no worries <laughs> well bill and i are used to that once yeah. a, once a blue moon it happens on our end too yeah. <laughs> so uh, so what i was saying yeah really so what i was saying before you know we split off mm -hmm. there for a second was i i was kind of recapping that you and i did oh. the virtual series together and can mm -hmm. you tell us what's going on for you the rest of 2021 and mm -hmm. and also explain if somebody's listening and wants to make mm -hmm. that appointment with you what can they expect Yes, yes. So if, if you um, if uh, if you um, heard something that um, that really resonates with you or, or you have further questions, you can go to my website, which is marekrudak.com. So it's my first name, last name dot com. And there's a there's a link to my calling link uh, for a 15 minute no obligation call. I definitely want to hear what's what's on your mind. And if I can help, um, then I'll, I'll definitely I'll offer some solutions. But even if not, I'll, I'll definitely give you some tips and definitely be uh, worthwhile for you as far as what's going to happen for the rest of the year obviously <laughs> with with god in charge we we never know but some some, some of the things that i that i do know um that i that i enjoy working on is is really uh, helping men become better leaders and becoming better leaders particularly by becoming more comfortable with themselves and becoming vulnerable and and being able to to leverage their stories to become better leaders because often oftentimes what happens is the things that happen to us we run from them but once we embrace them amazing things happen and and so to do that one of the things that I, I i did start in smart catholics that we're both familiar with is authentic manhood group it's totally free 
go to smartlink.com, get yourself a free account, join our authentic manhood group. I'm actually working with a heroic man on a collaboration where we'll, we'll, we'll uh, drop in a video every other week that's free and have periodic discussions. So that's one thing. Another thing that was, that's, that's a true blessing and it's so random. A, a Polish agency reached out to me and they're actually gonna publish the Love Driven Man in Poland, uh, in Polish. Uh, in uh, in time for Christmas. So if anybody uh, who's listening speaks Polish, you know, be, be on the lookout for that one. Uh, and also like, uh, uh, I, I'm gonna, you know, we wrapped up this uh, three part series on, on the uh, getting back to mass after COVID, which is actually a very uh, near and dear subject to my heart, because interestingly enough, uh, I actually, after COVID, I'm, I'm going to, to mass more often. I, I Before COVID, I always went to mass on Sundays and you know, the days of obligation. But ever since COVID, I actually started going to daily mass. I don't go every single day, but if I don't have any coaching appointments, I make it a point to go. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do, trying to figure out like what is the best way we can serve uh, to encourage people to, to do more of that because um, I, I've grown spiritually a lot. And, and, you know, obviously there's, there's been tremendous benefits to, to, to my, to my ability to be able to get closer to God. But, I, I really feel like adding the, the daily mass, obviously as much as possible, has has been very tremendous. And so um, now now that we've done the, we've done this series with with, with Anne DeSantis and, and Robert, it'll be interesting to see what what happens next. But I, I definitely um, you know would love to to play a part to to encourage more people to to go to mass and improve their relationship with God because it's mm-hmm. it's hard and it's awkward at first, but it's so worth it and. Without God, everything that we do, really, quite frankly, is, is meaningless. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well said. And and we are sacramental people as Catholics too, right? And so it's beautiful that you've been wanting to go to daily mass when you're able to. Mm-hmm. Not always, you, you, we're not always always able to make it every single mm-hmm. day sometimes mm-hmm. because of circumstances or work. But mm-hmm. it's beautiful that you actually uh, have made that a priority for yourself. And yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, because because you know how our minds work. I don't know if it's the mind or the devil. They always talk you out of it. Because my thinking was like, well, if you go to mass every day, it's like gonna get really boring. But it's quite actually the opposite. The more I go, the more I want to go. So it's uh, you know, it's I know it's it's um, not easy to necessarily take those extra steps, and, and I've been there. But every time I've taken those steps, I I just found how rewarding it is. And so that's why I really encourage people to to go to mass as much as possible because that's one of the things that makes us as Catholics unique. And this is one thing that I believe is in a way gives us an unfair advantage being having access to, uh, to the Eucharist on a daily basis. And, and I know that people have different schedules. It might not be possible, but wherever you can, uh, I highly encourage it. And, and I'm doing it myself. So I'm definitely not, not, uh, not, not speaking about something that I'm not practicing myself. Hmm. Yeah, no, great stuff. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for being with us today and just, your your humility your your witness uh be your openness uh this has been uh just wonderful having you we definitely have to have you back uh because i you know i know that uh you know god has so much more uh for you to do to our with our listener base so so thank you so much yeah i thank you too and 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 i also want to thank you that you and i have collaborated on some of those projects because you know, in the Catholic world, when you come together with others who are also trying to evangelize, that's I think that's when things really start to happen. Yeah. And not everybody yeah. in 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 business or even in faith related endeavors have that desire to do things with other people. So it's just mm-hmm. really beautiful that we've been able to come together 
uh, with people like Robert LeBlanc, and even today with Bill Snyder on this podcast, who wants you to come back. Uh, mm. So th again, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So any final words before we end? No, again, apologies for the internet difficulties. It's like, it's just so random, you know, that it has to go, especially during the, during the podcast. But yeah, I, I definitely appreciate it. Um, and yeah, if, if you have any questions about anything that I mentioned, yeah, definitely go to my website. And then if you can put that link to, to Heroic Men video about how, how Mercy helped me to quit porn, I, I'll definitely, uh, I'm willing to share it because that's like one thing that I feel is, is missing in, in uh, Catholic ministry. We talk about a lot about ideals, which is fantastic. We need them. But I don't think we talk enough about how to actually get to those ideals because that's a, that's a very lengthy, a very humbling road and a road with uh, said with with uh, with uh with roadblocks with turnarounds getting falling on our face on a regular basis and, and and it's hard and i've been there and i'm still walking it but but trust me it's so worth it so uh that's why i i'm, I'm very uh, excited to to share that story because you know this is not something that i've been comfortable doing since day one this is something that i really became really comfortable doing of, over the two years. And so to the extent that anybody can benefit from my story, um, you know, please reach, reach out. I'll, I'll be definitely more than happy to help you in, in any way that I can. Awesome. Thank you, Merrick, so much, um, you know, for, 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 all, for all you're doing. <laughs> Thank you so much for what you're doing for the kingdom. Um, I, I also want to remind uh, everyone here at the Sewing Hope podcast uh, to check out our website, patchworkheart.org, for uh, more information about our speakers and all that stuff. But um, I do encourage you also to check out our new book, uh, Hearts Burning Within Us. But until next time, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sewing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.